Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Wednesday morning. Welcome to our Chatterbox Studios here in the heart of Hamilton, Ohio. And welcome, as always, to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, alongside the dynamic duo turned trio, Casey McAllister, Paul Fritschner, Jacob Tissa. Gentlemen, good morning. How are you today, Tom? Everything's groovy. Beautiful day. Sunshine. 70s. How are you going to beat it? Yeah, this is maybe the best weather week of the year so far. Whole week. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's been nice. You know, there's nothing like sunshine, 70-degree weather, and soccer in the air. Ooh, yes. That's right. Big one tonight on the pitch, Tom. The Big pitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we come your way Monday through Friday. More on that in a minute. 10 a.m. to 12. P. Indeed. You can follow us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. Many of you here already. I don't know what in the hell is going on with our buddy Sir Boy Wonder here today. I have no idea what the deal is with him. He is all over the map. I love the guy, but I don't know what's going on today. I have no clue either. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, uh, there was at some point in the chat yesterday where everybody was just naming random baseball players, and I think that carried over to today. Maybe. Well, I mean, he is on a uh, he is on a roll uh, that reminds me of somebody that should be spending a lot of time in Sing Sing. You ever seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest? No. I would highly recommend all of you. If there is one movie out there, and there are hundreds. If there is one movie out there that is a must-watch for any person alive, and you'd have to be alive to watch it, that would be One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the movie that put Jack Nicholson on the map. Phenomenal movie. Uh, If you care to join us in podcast form, by all means, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you are dialed in. It is rare indeed to see the kind of game we saw last night in Denver. After all, you're at mile-high altitude, which generally leads to mile-high scoring in a baseball game, but not last night. In fact, not a single run was scored until the bottom of the sixth inning when Colorado's number nine hitter, Ezekiel Tovar, clubbed a solo home run off Brandon Williamson, who was making his major league debut in Denver, no less. And what a debut it turned out to be for Williamson. That would be the only run he allowed. Over five and two-thirds innings, he struck out six, walked only two. I say walked only two because Williamson was walking almost five batters per nine innings this season at AAA Louisville. In the seventh inning, Nick Senzella, monster home run with a man or board, gave Cincinnati the lead. They would add another on a Matt McLean base hit in the eighth in route to a 3-1 win. The Reds close out their series and the road trip today at 3-10. Graham Ashcraft opposes Aston Gomber, a win today, and it would be a 4-2 road trip through Miami and Colorado. After an off day tomorrow, the New York Yankees come to town. Paul O'Neill, former Red and Yankee, will join us Friday morning right here on Off the Bench to preview the series. Speaking of New York, Justin Verlander up in Queens booed last night. Nobody can boo like New York fans can boo. It was his home debut with the New York Mets. And you can understand why. I'd have booed him too. Making just his third start of the year due to injury, he pitched five innings, allowed six runs, eight hits, including two home runs, 
in an 8-5 shellacking by the Tampa Bay Rays. The Mets are a season-high three games under 500 with a $300 million team payroll. $300 million plus. In the NBA playoffs, it was game one of the Western Conference Finals last night in Denver. And as is normally the case, it was the Nikola Jokic show. This guy, another triple-double, his sixth of this postseason alone. 34 points, 21 rebounds, and 14 assists as the Nuggets beat LeBron and the Lakers 132-126. Wild game. Anthony Davis puts up 40 and 12. LeBron goes for 26 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists. Game 2 set for tomorrow night in the Mile High City. Tonight, game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Jimmy Butler v... Jason Tatum, the Heat and the Celtics. It's a third time in the last four years these two teams have met in the Eastern Conference Finals, including the bubble year. The San Antonio Spurs won the NBA draft lottery last night, which means they will select French superstar Victor Wembanyama as the number one overall pick. Remember that name. Two other times in San Antonio franchise history, they've had the first pitch in the draft. The Admiral, David Robinson, out of the Naval Academy in 1987. Tim Duncan out of Wake Forest in 1997. Both players helped lead the Spurs to multiple NBA titles, and both are in the Basketball Hall of Fame. UC getting some new duds going into the Big 12 this year. AD John Cunningham announced yesterday some deal with something called BSN. Is that the name of it? Yeah. They're going to be wearing the Jordan brand. In all sports, starting this upcoming school year, the last time they wore the Jordan brand was during the Bob Huggins years, when, of course, the men's basketball team parentally ranked uh, among the nation's top teams in the country. Lastly, FC Cincinnati. Can't you smell it in the air? Right? Like Brando said about napalm in Vietnam. It's in the air. FC Cincinnati actually has an MLS game during the week tonight at home against Montreal, 7.30 on the pitch, as they call it. FC will be looking to take sole possession of first place in the Eastern Conference. It is always a pleasure every Wednesday to be joined by the Hall of Famer, Marty Brenneman. Uh, Dad, have you ever been to TQL Stadium to watch FC Cincinnati? Tom, that would be a no. I have not. And, and, you know, I, God bless them. They've, they've done a wonderful job. That organization, I think, has done a fantastic job. Obviously, the, the, the stadium that was built has certainly done nothing but help them. And I'm happy for their success. But I'd be less than honest if I said I was a soccer fan because I'm not. Uh, I never have been since you and, and Dawn played. I was less so when Ashley played. I was less so when Aiden played um, uh, and Luke and Ella. I'm, I'm just not a soccer fan. I have a hard time getting my head around a sport that rarely, if ever, scores. And so I'm just not a fan. But I'm happy for the success they've had as far as the city is concerned and as far as the organization is concerned. Yes, uh, they have put together a winning team in a very short amount of time. Two years ago, they were the worst team in the league. 
And now yes. all of a sudden, last year, Eastern Conference Finals this year, uh, among the best two or three teams in the league. Maybe we ought to get down there one night. Well, we'll see about that. Okay. All right. Uh, the team you have paid close attention to, the Cincinnati Reds, with a win today, yes. uh, would finish a 4-2 and two road trip. Um, Brandon Williamson last night. You know, baseball is such a funny game. I mean, you've seen thousands of these guys. I've seen hundreds of these guys where they bring them up from the minor leagues. He was the big piece in the Seattle deal uh, that sent Suarez and Winker to the Mariners. Correct. Uh, and he was not having a good year in AAA. He was having a hard time throwing strikes. You'd have never known it last night. I tell you, he was impressive. He was as good as I've seen. You know, we talk so much about Green, and we talk so much about Lodolo and also Ashcraft. That kid last night was front and center uh, from the first pitch that he threw, which was a call strike. Uh, he was around the strike zone all night long, even though he did walk two batters, as you stated. Uh I really, quite honestly, had a problem with David David Bell not giving him one more hitter to face. Because had he done that and he had gotten the out, he would have won the game. Uh, I thought the hook was way too soon. Uh, I'm sure that the manager of the Reds has a relatively uh, thought out reason why he took him out. Probably the answer would be because I didn't want him to be put in a position where he could lose the game. And that's always a fallback uh, answer, uh, whether you agree with it or not. But I thought he should have been left out there to try and get one more out. You know, don't you think it's a little ironic? And I didn't think of this until you just said that last sentence. Isn't it ironic? And, and I made the comment yesterday, Dad, you know as well as I do. You can have all the analytics people in the world tell you that wins don't matter when it comes to a starting pitcher as this game has evolved where guys are going five innings, and most of the guys in the bullpen, in a lot of cases, are, are getting the decision win or lose. Um, but, but I find it sort of um, um, hypocritical is not the right word, but, 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 but for a franchise, and all franchises are like this to a greater or lesser extent, where they rely on analytics and all that kind of thing, that all of a sudden you would then turn around and say, well, I don't want the guy to lose the game. I mean, once he gives up the home run, he's already behind in the game. That made it a one-to-nothing game. So if wins are not important as they used to be for starting pitchers and evaluating their performance, why all of a sudden is it a big deal if the guy loses a game? Because those people talk out both sides of their mouth. Um, it, 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 that is the single stupidest statement I've ever heard from people who fashion themselves as analytical purists as it comes to baseball. Winning and losing is what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Like uh, who was it, Bear Bryant or whoever it was that said years ago, if winning is not important, then don't even count wins and losses. Don't even don't even say who wins and who loses. It, 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 wins are everything. I don't give a damn what they say. They're stupid if they make that statement because wins are important and and losses are important from a negative perspective. Um, so, you know, they, all they do is talk out of both sides of their mouth when when one of them, whoever them might be, says, well, wins and losses are not important. That's the single dumbest statement I've ever heard. Um, that brings us to Hunter Green, who has not won a game. 
Uh, now, now, look, there are a number of different ways to look at this whole thing. I certainly understand both of them, but I made the comment yesterday. You were watching some of the show, not all of it, but, you know, I made the comment yesterday. Uh, there's a reason why they put the stats up for players, right? Because at the, ultimately, that's how they're evaluated, and that's how they're paid based on statistics, exactly. right? Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, nobody can make me believe that it's not important to any pitcher to have W's when you look down the column of wins and losses as opposed to losses. Um, I know Hunter Green's 23 years old, uh, but is it too early uh, to start getting a little concerned? He's given up 68 base runners in 43 innings. Uh, you can always fall back on, yeah, he's young, they're growing pains, and all those things are true. But for you, is there reason yet to be a little concerned about Hunter Green? Yes, I would be. 23? Yes, I certainly would. And I realize the kid had Tommy John surgery and, and he's had to overcome some physical problems that probably, uh, and we'll never know, but he probably would have gotten to the big league sooner than he did. Um, or, or if he didn't and he never had the Tommy John problem, he probably would have been more mature when he got to the big leagues. Um, I think definitely there is a, a reason to be some concern. Is, is, are you going to jump off bridges and, and that type of thing right now? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's like way too early for that. But I still believe that they had need. And if they say there is no concern at all, this is all a part of the learning process, I don't believe that crap. I don't believe that at all. They are talking about this kid uh, being the, the face of this franchise and, and – uh, he's got everything going for him, as we've talked before. He is incredibly articulate. He's a nice-looking kid. Um, he's got the whole package, but he's got to go out and he's got to win. Uh, he's got to pitch well. He can't pitch four and a third or five innings and throw 98 pitches. He can't do that um, and, and, and eventually reach the position in his career where he will be compared with people like Verlander and DeGrom and people like that, the current crop of pitchers. I think there's definitely a reason. The one thing I'm always mindful of when I watch him pitch is what my dear departed friend Joe Morgan used to say, it doesn't make a single bit of difference how hard you throw it up here. We are going to figure it out. And if you keep throwing that number one pitch, we're going to continue to hit it in the seats. And I think that Hunter Green is a poster child right now for that statement. He gives up a very high number of home runs. He throws too many pitches. Um, yes, I think there is a reason right now to be a little bit concerned. You know, the thing that, the, the thing that troubles me the most, and I know it does you, you've talked about it before, is that, you know, it, it seems like every game is the same game. Over and yes. over and over, it, it, it's a hundred pitches by the fifth inning. Um, it's one very bad inning, seemingly every start that he has. I, I I don't know if there's anything you can do about the bad inning, but it seems to me, you know, in concert with Derek Johnson, the pitching coach, there has to be something you can do about pitch efficiency there. Or am I wrong? Yeah. No, I I think definitely there's something you can do about that. But we, that goes back to what we've talked about before, Tom, and that is that I really believe this kid still has not gotten over the hump yet uh, to the realization that it's a whole lot easier on you and your arm and, and your longevity in a game on a game-by-game -game basis 
if you can get the guy to hit the first pitch on a ground ball to shortstop or pop the ball up or hit a routine fly ball, rather than having to throw a minimum, a minimum of three pitches to get a strikeout. I think he feels like he's got to live up to his reputation of being the hardest thrower in baseball and the guy that's going to rack up the strikeouts. When you talk about a figure that doesn't mean a damn thing to me, strikeouts don't mean anything to me because that just means more pitches from a young man who's already had to endure a Tommy John surgery. And if the day comes, and I underline the word if, because in many cases it never dawns on a young guy that it's easier to get a ground ball or a pop-up early in the count than it is to try and strike everybody out. And I think uh, that mentality, and again, I guarantee you they would all go back and say, oh, you're dead wrong, that's not true. Okay, that's fine. All I know is he strikes out seven, eight, nine batters in five and a third innings or whatever the case might be, but he's still thrown 100 or 100 and some pitches. So I, I think that's a problem in and of itself, and I'm sure Derek has probably tried to pound it home to him as say, you know, son, a ground ball or a pop-up or a routine fly ball is just as easy or more so than getting a strikeout as far as pitches are concerned. You know, we've talked about the bullpen, and now all of a sudden they're ranked number one as far as the lowest ERA uh, is concerned among all National League teams. I mean, this group has really put it together. They're pitching beautifully. Last night, fantastic in relief of Williamson. Uh, and Diaz is a bona fide stud. I mean, I think this guy yes. has put himself in a position where he is one of the top three, four closers in the National League. Um, but, you know, there's a flip side to everything. They've also thrown the most innings of any bullpen uh, in the National League. Uh, and it makes you wonder, you know, is this sort of a ticking time bomb where you keep going to that bullpen for four innings, it seems like, every single night, or three and a third, or three and two-thirds? When does it eventually start to catch up with guys? Well, I mean, Tom, let's face facts here now. Since David Bell's Managers Club, that's been a movie we've seen more one than one time. Um here we are approaching uh, within a week or so, the third beginning of the third month of the season. And, and I think that uh, at the rate they're going right now, uh, they're going to burn that bullpen out. But we've seen it happen before where they continually go to the bullpen time, time, time again because they're not getting sufficient innings from their starting pitchers. And these young men, uh, I, I feel bad for them because I think by the time uh, July rolls around or August, uh, they're going to be spent. And there are only so many times you can go down to Louisville uh, and call up kids to come up here and, and replace guys that go on the disabled list for whatever the reason uh, that didn't make the club to begin with. So I, I think it's an ongoing problem, and I think it has been a problem, consistent problem for this club for the last three years. You know, you, you bring up David Bell, and I'm not going to get into with you whether or not we think that this guy's a good manager, a bad manager, whether he should stick around, whether he should be extended, whatever it might be. But the bottom line is his contract is up at the end of the year. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, uh, will the Reds stay with him uh, once they start to bring all these young guys up, and we, we've started to see it and all that kind of thing. But, 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 but I, I talked to a couple of people inside the Reds organization that, 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 that tell me that, you know, there, there's this sort of um, uh, not necessarily, you know, P 
pitting one another. Uh, but, but the situations are reality. You've got an organization that realistically is looking at another year or two and bringing guys up and developing players and all that kind of thing. But you got a guy who's trying to hang on to his job as a manager of the team who feels like he needs to win right now or not lose 90 or 95 games to keep his job. I, I wonder if there's any of that kind of thing going on inside the organization right now. Uh, yeah, I would have to think so. Uh, but also, I think what you just said about, and I think it would be human nature if you or me or whoever yeah. was managing the club and, and you know that you may be skating on thin ice, um, you're going to do what you feel like you have to do to put yourself and the team in a, the best position of winning. And if that means going to guys that, Maybe uh, and under a normal set of circumstances, you wouldn't go to as quickly. Uh, I, I think that that all factors into this whole situation, um, and and so I, you know, it's a tough a tough call. But at the same time, um, it's something that I think, from a realistic perspective, uh, the the powers that be have to face facts and have to deal with this situation in the best manner that they see to do. You know, the, the guy, uh, they bring up Matt McLean uh, since you were last on the show, and he's off to a very good start in just his first couple of games uh, in the big leagues, getting starts the last couple of games, hits the last couple of games, RBI uh, last night to drive in a big run in the eighth inning. Um, you know, with all of the different middle infielders this organization has um, has has acquired either drafting in McLean's case or trading for in other cases you know when, when all is said and done if guys turn out to be who you think they might be and I'm not talking about going to the Hall of Fame I'm just talking about really good everyday major right. league players if everything were to play out that way um do you think ultimately De La Cruz ends up being the shortstop, McLean goes to second base, or do you think McLean ends up being – I know you don't have a crystal ball. Maybe it's an unfair question. But how do you think all that ends up shaking out? Well, however it shakes out, uh, the, the biggest question is is Jonathan India. Yeah. And what the heck they're going to do with him. Um, I made the point to you, I think, last week. Uh, you know, Somebody came out with a comment before McLean got called up about, well, you know, he, he's made all of his errors at shortstop while playing at Louisville. He's made none at second base. Maybe the club would be inclined to move him toward, uh, move him to second base eventually when he got to the big leagues. But, you know, we don't know whether Jonathan India can play anywhere else. Well, you should have figured that out in spring training. You should have had Jonathan India in left field in spring training just to see how he would be able to acclimate himself to that position. They sure as hell didn't have any problem doing it with Nick Senzel when they were drafted and signed him. So why in the world would you not have taken uh, the opportunity then as you look down the road as to what was going to happen when Matt McClain and or uh, uh, De La Cruz and the kid Marte, who's having a great year at AA Chattanooga, when they get to the point where they can play big league baseball. Um, I, I think to, to award... Uh, De La Cruz automatically awarded him shortstop is a little premature because I think they still have to deal with the fact that can we run out a young man, no matter how talented he is, at six feet five inches tall to play shortstop, where it's never happened before, uh, as opposed to moving him into center field 
to take advantage of his incredible athleticism, his ability to run, his ability to throw. Um, that that's, they, They've got a whole lot of questions that they have to answer because their philosophy, as we have stated in the past, uh, come draft day is to draft as many shortstops as we can because they are – uh, the most athletic, they, they play the most athletic position there is uh, on the field, and they have the ability to move to other spots if if uh, the necessity arises. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to Matt McClain. I, I, I think that they're doing exactly what they need to do when they brought him up, and that's to play him every day, and they were very assertive in making that statement. Um, so now he's at shortstop. Now he's made the plays. Uh, when De La Cruz's turn comes, then they're going to have a major decision at that point. And again, the guy that you have the largest question mark over his head happens to be Jonathan India because he is not a good defensive second baseman. And, and uh, you know, he could either find a position that he could play, and I think they would prefer left field more than anywhere else if he leaves second, or let's face facts, they could trade him and probably reap some benefits from doing that if the decision ultimately was reached that there is nowhere else for him to play, but we have to play Matt McClain over there because he's better defensively. You know, Tom, this is a bad defensive team. So they can't continue to bring people up there and play them in positions that they uh, can handle defensively or in India's case, continue to play him at second base when they have to know in their heart of hearts unless he can show massive improvement, which he's not been able to do in, what, two-plus years now, uh, then then we have to move him somewhere else if there's somewhere else for him to play. You know the guy that – and this is the last thing I want to ask you about. You, you know the guy that, that – there's something in the back of my mind, and I think you're going to vehemently disagree with this, which is, which is fine. Uh, it was 2021. And here we are just in the first month of the 2023 season. In 2021, we were talking about Jose Barrero, much like we're talking about Matt McClain. They brought Jose Barrero through four levels of baseball in less than a year and a half. In 2021, this guy went from single A to double A, and they brought him to the big leagues when he wasn't ready. But the last full season that he got, you know, 300 or more at-bats at one level, the guy hit 19 home runs, he knocked in 66 runs, he had an on-base percentage of 380, and he hit over 300. That's a year and a half ago. And now all of a sudden it looks like he has just been cast to the side at fewer than 400 major league at-bats. He's still very, very – he's a year older than McLean. I just wonder if if maybe and, – and, and look, you may disagree. I just wonder if maybe they have cashed in the chips already on Barrero a wee bit early. Is, is, is You buying that or no? I don't think so. I, I, I don't – I really don't. I think that, you, you know, and I, I agree with everything you said, the, the great year he had. But I also think there are some players that can't play in the big leagues. I think there are some players that can beat the hell out of the baseball at every level of minor league ball that there is. But once you get to that top level, they either become very average players and they end up being extra men 
or they simply can't cut it at all. And and I I you know I I think that this club has given Jose Barrero uh, uh, they have gone the extra mile uh, as far as I'm concerned with him just like they did with Aristides Aquino. They kept him too long. Uh, you know, people would they look like he was stupid if you could say this guy can't play in the big leagues. And 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 we're finding that out to be the case now, and they probably hung on to him a year too long. Uh, in Barrero's case, I don't think there would be a shortage of teams that would line up to sign him if the Reds designated him, which they won't do, or they put him uh, out there and, and teams expressed an interest in trading for him because – it's an age-old deal in baseball. I can do for uh, this kid what you were unable to do. You couldn't. You couldn't do the things that you had to do to make him a, a, a productive big league ball player. But I know our people can, so we'll take a chance on him. I, I don't. I, I think they were forced into making a decision on him right now because of how quickly Matt McLean came. I mean, when you're when you're tearing up AAA pitching like he was doing and and playing well in the field you got to bring him up. That's the reason why you make decisions about bringing kids up more often than not is if they're performing at, at the highest level of the minor leagues, which is AAA, bring him up here and let's see what he can do right now. It's hard to say what's going to happen to Barrero because it's certainly not benefiting him now to sit on the bench and every now and then get a start when they want to give McLean a day off or whatever the case might be. Uh, if if his progress is being impeded now because he's no longer playing every day, uh, a lot of that's on him because he certainly has had an opportunity to show that whatever improvements he thought he had made uh, since last year and working with various and sundry hitting coaches in spring training and whatnot was going to stand him in good stead in 2023. It hasn't done that. And he's also a kid, Tom, that doesn't play very well defensively. Yeah, and that's an issue for this team. I mean, I think I sure heard is. a stat last night where they've given up, or they have, however they, whatever, you know, barometer they use to gauge these things, uh, on outs that should have been made by the defense. It's up in the mid-60s for outs that should have been right. made. And you wonder how much that plays into the starting pitchers, feeling like they got to strike guys out instead of having the ball put in play because guys can't make the play. It goes on and on and on and on. But the bottom line is, I mean, here we are with the Yankees coming to town over the weekend. Uh, and the bottom Big line weekend. is they, they, they have been far better. Are you going down there this weekend? I'll be there Sunday afternoon. Wow. Better have a parade down there. Well, what's, what's so well about that? Well, I mean, don't you think, Casey, if the Hall of Famers going down to a game down there, they ought to have a little little parade down maybe Joe Nuxall way or something? Oh, absolutely. Nah, they don't care about me anymore. I just show up every now and then, you know. That's fine with me. I'm good with that. Before I go, yeah, but you're not you sitting with a common man. You're not sitting with a common man at that ballpark on Sunday. Yes, I am. Oh, are you going to be out on the bud deck with me? No, I'm gonna be in the diamond seats. Oh, okay. With a common man. With the common man. Yeah, with a common man. <laughs> That's right. All right. What are yeah. you getting ready to say? Forgive me. I, I heard you talk about one flew over the cuckoo's nest. You know, I fashion myself because I spend so much time on a treadmill. And I'm watching Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu yeah. and, and Apple Plus and all those streaming uh, websites. I, I recommend every now and then shows on my Instagram account. Uh, and I want to recommend two to people who are inclined, as I am, to watch Good. some of the best there is on TV. Daisy Jones and the Six. Okay. Daisy Jones and the Six. 
Many people say it's loosely based on the early years of Fleetwood Mac. And the other one is a series based on how the movie and what went on behind the scenes when The Godfather was eventually made. It's a show called The Offer. Okay. And both of them are spectacular. Well, there you go, fellas. I mean, Paul and I are getting ready to dive into simultaneously uh, succession. succession. Yep. I'm they, trying to get I, my I've bride. Seen three, or, seen three or four episodes of it, and I got to get back to it, and I thought it was wonderful. I really did. I tell you, yeah. this other one I started the other day. I told you the guy from Friday Night Lights or some oh, big-time yeah. uh, Sissy Spacek is in it. Uh, I've only watched the first three episodes, but it is fantastic. It's called Bloodline. They have three seasons of it uh, that are out, and it is really, what's, really what, good. What's what that? streaming services uh, that's, on net, on. that's on Netflix. Bloodline. It, yeah, it's won a ton of awards. Uh, it's had three seasons under its belt. Uh, it, is, uh, it is good. Um, in fact, uh, right. you're a good friend, Everett, who always asks you about, um, you know, what, what, what's Harry Potter. It? Harry Potter. He says, uh, no doubt, very underrated show. Very, very good. All right. So there you have it. All right. Okay. That's Dan, good. thanks good for the for time. Me. Have fun down there on Sunday. I'll see you tomorrow or Friday night. I'll be there, pal. Thank you. All Boys, right. take it easy. See you, Marty. See you, Marty. All right, there guys. There you go. We got, it. we got a couple new shows to get dialed in. But, Paul, we got to get going on Succession. We do. We got to get going. Yeah. A little busy time for me right now. So I'm not able to, you know, like a lot of people out there. Let's I mean, if you got kids getting ready to graduate from high school and you got their sports seasons going on. I mean, they're grad party seemingly three, four days a week. It just never ends. June 5th, Tom. June 5th is a Monday. That's after. So this week. After Marymount wins the state championship. Yeah. So we have so we have Xavier plays baseball this weekend. There's a Big East tournament next weekend. Casey's got his wedding on June 3rd. June 5th, we get into the summer, settle down, watch the session. How about that? That's a deal. Did you see Sir Boy Wonder's line? I don't know what is going on with him today. Little Einstein. He says, Marty should start watching this show called Little Einstein. <laughs> Little Einstein. I mean, my kids were that age. <laughs> Believe me, I, I've, I've, I've watched many, many of them. I think that uh, Sir Boy Wonder still watches that show now. He might. What were your favorite shows to tag? Have you ever seen the Wiggles in concert? In concert? In concert. Like, you know the Wiggles are? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I've, I've seen Fruit salad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big red car. Travel near and we're traveling far to to chug a chug a big red car. We're going to ride the whole day long. That's big league song. Oh, that's big league. What you just did right there? True nut cutter right there. You got any other favorite shows that you uh, tag For along? For the kids? You tag along watch With the, the kids? kids. Well, I, used to, I used to do all the time. I used to humiliate them. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, we'd walk into school. Uh, because uh, where the, the, they went to school, grew up in elementary school, you could just walk to school. And so uh, I'd walk with them. And as all the other kids were kind of coming from different, you know, blocks to, to get to the school in the middle of town, uh, I'd start doing that uh, hot dog, you know, that dance they did, you know, on the, on the, uh, on the uh, what is it? It's a Disney thing. Mickey's Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Yeah, you remember that? Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. You know that song? Oh, yeah. yeah. Big League song. So you guys probably watched these in your youth. 
right? Or you're a little too old for that. I, I was I was big into Arthur. I watched the Arthur, Bar- yep. Berenstein Bears. Yep. Cyber Chase. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think of any others. I never I I Blues Clues. Loved Blues Clues. Bob what is that one? Blues Clues? Blues Clues? Never heard of it. Okay, go ahead. Whoa, 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 what? I've never heard of Blues Clues. What is Blues Clues? That's a shame is what that is. <laughs> what? Blues Clues? You've never heard of Blues Clues? Never heard of it. Nope. Whoa. Wow. Everett that... says it was a clown show. I well, mean. There, there was a there was a clown that. Was the main guy on the show? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, Steve. Steve, what's uh, a good point, Steve? What is that? Well, Steve got in trouble. He got in some really big trouble. The main there was it was an animated show, but there was a a real guy. There was an actual actor that was part of the show, and then he like played along with the animated. Okay. Steve ended up not being a great guy. (laughs) They had a they had a. They had to to send him to college. They had to to send him away to college. Yeah, they had to send Steve away for a little while. You mean off the air or on the air? No, no. Uh, Well, Well, they sent him to college on air. They sent him away. (laughs) Like to prison away? (laughs) Well, I don't know whatever ended up happening to Steve. I'm not exactly sure either. I think he maybe went to uh, (laughs) rehab maybe. I don't know. Okay. Steve needed some time away from the camera. Those that are watching... Please PB's like, Ghost share, says subscribe. Blues Clues is a woke show, so I'm not surprised you guys loved it. <laughs> How is Blues Clues a woke what show? He's, I'm just telling you what he said. I all right? A woke show. The I, one, <laughs> yeah. I, no, I don't know. AM has a great point of all. He says, the boys giving Tom heck over Blues Clues haven't seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest. He says that is the peak in Gen Z. Oof. Well, I'm not saying you have to watch it, but the fact that you never heard of it. That's I, I, I literally have never, and believe me, I, I watched all this stuff with our kids. Uh, all the ones you mentioned. I mean, I'm singing songs from Wiggles for crying out loud. I saw him down at Sintas in concert. The Wiggles. Forget Aerosmith. Forget the Rolling Stones. Right? I'm down there watching Wiggles. And knew all the words to every song. Every single one of them. Uh, you know, you said Arthur. We weren't as much into that, but Mickey's Clubhouse. And I mean, you know, on and on and on. Um, but no. No. All right. Never watched SpongeBob. No. No, I didn't like. No. I, I didn't no. like SpongeBob either. No. I watched it. I watched it every once in a while, but like, I never got into it. I watched it. I'm not going to sit here and say I was, I didn't watch it. I, I watched so it. So you guys have never heard of Captain Kangaroo, right? You ever no. heard of the Banana Splits? Any of that? So, so you asking me about... Blues what? Blues Clues. Blues Clues clues is like me asking you about the Banana Splits or Captain Kangaroo. Or for that matter, even in prime time, All in the Family. Oh, no, that one I got. I know All in the Family. I don't know the other two. Yeah, I I didn't know any of them. I was more of a a Disney Channel than I was uh, Nickelodeon. The one I'm disappointed no one said yet, especially in the chat, is Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, man. No, 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 no. Choop, choop. If anybody not, now you now you hit a nerve here. <laughs> Thomas. Okay, uh, yeah, boy. 
<laughs> That's the creepiest shit I've ever seen. I'm telling you right now. The the if anybody has ever read uh the Stephen King, and I'm trying to remember uh what it, it's a it's three different books, but you know, a trilogy, right? Um Wizards and something it, and, I, and I've read every Stephen King book, but, but I'm going to tell you, there is a Thomas the Dark Engine kind of thing going on there. I mean, this is a, this is a unbelievable trilogy of books. His imagination is just, is, and I'm telling you right now, you read those and then go watch or even see a cart, a, a book. With Thomas the Train? Is that what it was? Thomas the Tank Thomas Engine. Thomas the Tank Engine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. D-U-N-D-O. And I'm done. I got to go. Uh, take it away. I got to go to the bathroom thinking about Thomas the Train. <laughs> Ham and Eggers! It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right, well, we're going to do the uh, Bengals report here because we do have Zim Hude coming up here in just a second. So the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. I thought you were about to kick the productivity back to me the way you said and. Oh. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, we have a new premium alkaline water. It's called Pawnee. We love it. We've been drinking it for a while. Casey and I have, have been on been on our uh, water kick. So we love Pawnee water. Mm -hmm. Pawnee water is a new premium alkaline water, and they are the official water of the Views and Brews that is this Friday, 6 to 10 p.m. downtown at Sawyer Point. They are also the sole water provider at the Oxford Wine and Craft Beer Festival this coming Saturday. And... They're the sole water provider of the River's Edge concert series in Hamilton this summer. Taylor Swift will be there. Moving on up. Moving on up. Pawnee water. Pawnee water. It is a water that uses natural limestone filtration, and it's made right here in Hamilton. Unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use, Pawnee, natural limestone. And it's a healthy alkaline water that's also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at pawneywater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. And before we wrap up the ads, if you guys can find Pawnee Water, tweet at us, send us a picture of it. We would love that. It is available in stores. I know we talk about pawneywater.com, but it is available in something like 200, uh, yeah, I don't have the like exact two, number. It's like 200 Some, stores. Something like 200 stores. Still working on getting it into UDF, but it's also available in something like 200 stores around the tri-state area. Yeah, so Check out your local gas station. See if it's there. Snap a picture. Send it in to us. We'd really enjoy that. Drink Pawnee water. Get your coffee from UDF. Bet with Bedfred and get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. I see Brian B. asking, can we put at least one hanger on the door? There is a hanger on the door. The problem is it's just down on the handle, not up on the hook, where you can see it when the camera flies in the middle of it. Um, we haven't heard from Chad Waits today. Is Chad in he, here he today? Was in, he was in very early. He was and in early. He, and he, he dipped out. He's probably working. That's he's true. Got to, he's got to work. That's true. 
Um, I see that some people are uh, pointing out that uh, Pat McAfee went to ESPN. Saw that. He's going to stay on YouTube. He's still on YouTube, though. Yep. Everything's the same, apparently, which is great for their program. I mean, what makes programs like his and our special is the community within the chat, in my opinion. Every morning, numbers are slightly different. Numbers are slightly different, but we still got a tight-knit group here. Yes, we do. Every morning, we provide a space for hundreds, if not thousands, to join the chat and just have a social hour for two hours from 10 a.m. to 12 p. Well, uh, hold on now. Uh Uh-oh. You are by and large right. By and large right. But... Casey is not the champion of free speech. Mm. Boom. He has proven that on a, I'm not going to say a regular basis, but a somewhat regular basis. Well, the, there's certain limitations to free speech. Like you can't, you can't yell, there's a fire, there's a bomb. You can't talk bad about our hometowns like Hamiltucky and Blanchester. That, that's just, I thought that was one-on-one. Tom, thoughts? People want to rip on Hamilton, rip on Hamilton. We love Hamilton. People want to rip on Blanchester, rip on Blanchester. Beautiful people out of there. Right? You, my man Thomas. Right. The guy you gave an eight, couldn't even sleep last night. (laughs) You know, I did not. Couldn't even sleep. I did not leave the show yesterday without it being just thrown right back in my face. I, I had to deal with it on social media, Tom. Everybody coming after me. I made a mistake again. I just can't seem to get out of my own way. Well, that starts with Alexandria. <laughs> he might want to pat you out one up first. Uh, the name of the, the, the trilogy, thank PB's Ghost, thank you, is called The Dark Tower. I would, I mean, we talk a lot about television shows on here. Um, man. Yeah, you read The Dark Tower, you ain't watching Thomas the Train anymore. I, I have to... I got to get like a uh, footnotes on this book. It is. No, you no, you don't. You want to read it. I'm telling you, it is mesmerizing and it is terrifying. Lovely. All of his books are terrifying or a lot of them are some are a little different than others. This one is terrifying. Uh, it'll keep you up at night. Um, so thank you very much for um, PB's ghost for, um, Reminding me what the name of that was. We got our um, we got our main man coming up here in a second. I mean, demand, demand. He is demand. You know, if there, you know, you, you talk about the sun rising in the east, right? There's certain things that are for sure. Biden's going to tax you till your eyes are crossed. We know that for sure. Okay, and then we know that every time he comes on this show that our numbers are going to blow up. Everybody and his brother loves watching our main man, and that would be, of course, the one, the only, number one in your hearts, Zim Houday. Young man, good morning. You're looking good, that million-dollar smile, that souped-up kitchen you got going back there. Man, you must be making some dollars. Hold on, hold on, I don't hear him. Do you guys hear him? Hold on. 
Hold on. We got Zim Hude. We can't hear our man. No, we can't nope. hear him. Nope. All right, well, let's let you take care of this off the air here. Yep. And let's see if we can patch him back in here with our man Zim. Um, for some reason, we're not getting any uh, audio levels from our man Zim. And we got to get that straightened out. Maybe he's got, maybe he didn't join with his microphone or something. I'm not quite sure how that stuff works. Anyway, um, a little bit later on the show, we're, we're going to have some uh, comments made. Uh, yesterday, of course, the Bengals had just about everybody in town um, to go through a couple of days of workout, some light stuff. Uh, there are certain players that were exempt from that because of the extent uh, of their injuries. Right? So, Awuzie, Lyle Collins, both coming back from ACL injuries. Um, a surprise was Sidney Jones not there. Now, this is a guy, you know, you got to believe the Bengals are counting on. He's basically the guy that's replacing Eli Apple. And look, I know there are a lot of people out there, and, and trust me, I, you know, I'm not a big social media guy. I don't like all the smack talking all the time. I like a little bit of it, but, you know, it can go over the edge. And Eli would do that from time to time. But I thought the guy was a, 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 a good player. Was he a perfect player? No, there's no perfect player. Um, but I thought Apple was a good player. Uh, and as much as we talked about Von Bell being gone, about Jesse Bates being gone, uh, and there are others, um, I think the Eli Apple replacement, in this case, Sidney Jones, at least on paper, that's who it appears to be. Although we'll see if maybe one of the young players they just drafted can step in there. But Jones is a guy they're counting on. We have any luck with him or no? He's, he's trying to work it out. Right okay. So, you know, him not being here, and again, um, I don't know what the deal was. Uh, are they saying he was there and just didn't practice? Okay, because Steve Ross just said he was there, but don't think he practiced. I thought I read where he wasn't there. And I tell you who else wasn't there, and we talked about this at length yesterday, was Jonah Williams. We went into that whole thing uh, yesterday. Uh, but we were going to have some comments a little bit later on from uh, that Joe Burrow made yesterday, everything from his contract to the and where all that stands because that's all everybody was talking about um weeks ago was this borough thing's got to get done it doesn't got to get done it doesn't have to get done right now would he like it done yeah would the fan base like it done of course would the bengals like it done they would apparently they're negotiating the contract already they're in negotiations. But, but, but there's no, unless Burrow just up and decides, and I don't see Burrow as this kind of guy, where he, he issues one of those statements where, um, and, and we've seen hundreds of times, where a player will say, uh, if it doesn't get done before the season, uh, we're not, I, I'm not going to negotiate it during the season. Because... You know, look, anybody that's ever had to negotiate a contract, and, and I've been through dozens of these in my career, whether it be with 
a local baseball team that you're announcing their games, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, whether it's a network-level contract like I went through for 25 years with Fox. Um, it, it does occupy a part of your mind. That's why I've never really uh, felt strongly against players who will say, I don't want to do it during the season for them especially a guy like Burrow. I mean, he wants laser focus all in on football. Because what happens is, you know, you'll go do football, in this case, all day long. But there's a part of your mind that's saying, hey, man, where are we on this stuff? And you're picking up the phone and you're calling your agent. Uh, And, and, you know, um, it, 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 it does occupy a part of your mind. Now, are there guys that can, you know, kind of compartmentalize things? I would imagine Burroughs that kind of guy, where he can just say, hey, look, to the agent, I don't even want to talk to you until you have something that you can say, this is what is offered. And now it's your decision to make. Otherwise, don't tell me about some of the things they said about me And don't tell me some of the things you said to them, because that's when you get into the every other day, every third day, every week kind of thing where it's occupying your mind and your time. But anyway, um, unless Burrow makes that kind of determination that that's the way he wants his thing handled, that when the season starts, nope, we'll wait till the end of the year. Well, you know, you'd like to think between now and the start of training camp, that this is something that can get done. Um, speaking of, real quick, I know we're having issues with Zim Hude here. Um, does it have anything to do with with what you asked me to unplug underneath the desk? No. No, no it is I just not. want to make sure. I think, I think we got him now. All right, we'll get him on in just a second. Okay, good. Uh, so we're still working on him. But j- just to finish a point, it is not the end of the world if they don't get the Burrow deal done this year. It's not. Okay, they've already picked up a fifth-year option. That was just semantics, okay? Things you have to do. Every team's done it. They did it with Herbert. They did it with Josh Allen at the time. Everybody just does it, and it doesn't mean a thing. Um, now, how that would affect moving forward um, you know, I don't know because I, I'm not sharp enough to understand if you don't get it done before a certain date and that now that drifts into if the Bengals were to play in the Super Bowl or get to the championship game, we're good with Zim. Okay, we'll get all that um, uh, here in a minute. Uh, Zim Uday, how are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm sorry about that. I had a little bit of technical difficulties. I hope you guys can hear me pretty clear. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, man. I feel good. Well, what, what, what's some of the uh, attire you got on there? What do you got going on? Oh, this is from, man, I dropped this one like a year ago. This was the original Shiesty. Like, Shiesty showed up to the press conference and he had the Cartiers on or whatever. And I immediately was like, let me get to working on this one. So this one was. This is like this when he first unveiled his new chain and stuff. I I don't even remember. Somebody probably watching this probably could tell me when I dropped it. It's probably been like a year and a half or so now. Well, what do you got new coming out for this upcoming season? Are you working on that right now? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I've been working really, really hard on it. I've been I haven't really talked about the clothes at all, like in a while, and it's kind of weird too. But well, talk about them because you got great stuff. Talk about them, please. I got a website. It's called zimhude.com. Uh, it's a line on it called Burrow Babies, but this year's theme is really fun. I feel like I got two designs I couldn't drop because we didn't win at Burrowhead. So I got those sitting right there to the side. And then I got this whole idea of like why people fear the Bengals being really good. So I'm having some fun with it about like, I, like, I, I think at some point we're going to win so much. They're just going to be like, bro, like, it's aliens. Like, if the Bengals win a Super Bowl, you know, people are going to freak out. Y'all know that, right? Like, because they're already freaking out, like, just the Bengals having two really good seasons. So, like, I have this thought process that it's like this fear of, like, an orange planet. And that's where I'm at. All right, look, we got a lot of people, uh, you, you know, look, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, I'm not going to call them haters, but there are a lot of people that love to say, oh man, you know, you made this comment, turns out, you know, maybe that wasn't the case. You were talking a while back about Higgins and his contract. It looks like that thing has not been done yet. Where it stands really at the end of the day, only Higgins, the team and his agent know the deal. Do you have any comment on that at all? Or are you still standing by the deal that you think it's getting done? I mean, I always feel like it's going to get done, but I feel like that's not, you know, that's not me being a prophet. Like, I feel like the average Bengal fan, you could pay attention to even, I'm pretty sure people got the video from yesterday. He's almost talking like in past tense to say, I always wanted to be a Bengal. And I, it's good to be somewhere where people look like you and stuff. And one thing I thought that, you know, coming out of this, I've done, I've talked to people before or I've told Twitter about people, like even this all season about like Travion Williams being signed or like Foster Moreau coming for a visit, all these different things. But I think I hadn't done it to an athlete of this magnitude. And I think I just underestimated me writing one tweet with like, what is it, like seven, eight words? I just really underestimated that. And I think out of my private conversations, and I guess this is a form of like reporting or whatever too, is like, just because you heard it, just because you might even saw it, there's other things that you can't really control too. So like immediately after I did that tweet, you know, there are people that were behind it that were putting dates and stuff on it, doing all this other stuff that I couldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you, you, know, you know, you were giving me an intro and you were like, man, everybody like, I was talking to my mom about this the other day. I was like, I never knew that me liking the Bengals would make me like this polarizing figure. And I feel like it's more like it, it, it don't even really have nothing to do with T. Higgins to me. Like if you read like most of the comments or like people will send me stuff, because I don't really read like all that crap. But it's always about like, aha, tell them that you didn't get it right. You know, it, it's not even about like T Higgins. Cause I will hope a Bengals fans once they want the deal to be done. Right. Yeah. So that's the part. I think it's more about like, how did this guy do all of this stuff? Like, you know, like how did, how does he connect with Tom Brenneman? How does he have Tom Brenneman on his draft party? Like, you know, like those are the things that people don't say. And I just, and you've been in this business for a long time. I find it funny or I think it's crazy. You could do so many good things. Yep. You could you you could break so many different things. But the minute that they think that they got you, or the minute the minute that they show you show like any form of weakness or something, they're like, ha ha, 
and they're and they're re, and they're retweeting those things. But think about all the different things that you've covered. Think about all the things that you've done. When you had, you know, like your moment, you know, where people were down on you, you know, they people retweet that. People are pushing that more than anything that you've ever done. And it kind of like takes away all the good that you've done. And I feel like that's that's anybody in the world. Like, and it's kind of crazy that the internet is like that. But who knew one tweet would turn into like this with pitchforks, like, aha, we got him. But I do think that he, uh, let me say this, go back to T. Higgins real quick. Imagine this. So first and foremost, everybody that knows me knows that T. Higgins and all these different people, we talk to him regularly on our Twitter spaces. So that's like, that's not a thing. So like, I, I think people need to like move out the way with that. The other thing is this, he could say, my agent says that, um, yeah, whatever I want to do or whatever, but check this out. Imagine that the, the conversations weren't good. Imagine that the conversations were sour. Bengals fans got to understand, bro is about to play in a contract year. Like, hypothetically, they could pick up his franchise tag, but the risk versus reward, it's a pretty steep risk if you go out there. The conversations will have to be good, right? And then one thing that people weren't uh, privy to is when I made that tweet, that actual negotiations were going on at that moment. I don't know if people were even thinking about that at that time, and I don't think people really talk about that. So I just wanted to say that, though. Like, if you if if they weren't well or they weren't good, he wouldn't show up at the facility. I don't care what that thing, like, whatever he said. I think that's, hard, I like, think you, that's a legit, I think that's a legit, I think that's a legitimate point. I think that's something that, uh, that, that, that maybe, uh, you know, many of us, me included, uh, don't think of it that way because how many times have we seen in the past where a guy wants to be paid and look, everybody wants to be paid. I don't have a problem with guys getting paid. God bless them all. I hope everybody in the world makes as much money as they can every day of their lives. Right. Um, right. but the fact that he's here just speaks volumes about kind of where he is with this franchise. Uh, we've seen it a thousand times where guys will be like, Oh man, I'm not getting this deal. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. I'm not coming to this voluntary thing because he doesn't have to be here. And yet he's out there running around yesterday with Jamar chase and Joe Mixon and dunking footballs into basketball hoops and all the rest. I mean, it's great stuff. Right. It's great video. All right, so look, um, I want to get don't your you think, thoughts. Don't you don't you think that that's kind of like a, a big a big focal point? Like, imagine just give people a scenario real quick. Say say that you're my agent right now, and say the contract weren't going well. You think that you would tell me to go up to the? You would tell me go up to um, Paul. I mean, Paycor Stadium, and just. Like, if it was that far apart or it wasn't going good or everything wasn't in place or at least parameters or whatever weren't set, like, in my mind, if you were my agent, you would say, yeah, don't go up there. We need to gain that. We need to show them that we mean business. Well, I mean, I think there are agents out there that do that kind of thing. You know, I, I've made the argument. You know, uh, you know a, who his agent is? Well, I know. Jesse Bates' is agent. I, I mean, I, I know that. But, I but, but, you know, I've made the argument when it comes to a guy like Williams, okay? So, you know, um, T is handled and his agent, even though they have the thing with Jesse Bates, that's fine with, 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 with the Bengals. Uh, you, you don't read anything about it. It's under the radar. Everything's quiet. Everything's cool. He's here. He's in town. The Williams saying, you know, I, 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 I made the comment yesterday, Zim. I, I just feel like 
Um, you've got a player who's going to make a lot of money this coming year. He's been a good player for you since you drafted. He may not be a great player. He may not be every, everything that everybody wants, you know, and Anthony Munoz at left tackle, right, or Willie Anderson or somebody. But, I mean, Jonah Williams has been a very good player for this franchise, okay? They bring in Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, now he's going over to right tackle. It's a brand-new position for him. He's never played it before. Um I have a big issue with him not being here. Um, you know, I didn't like the timing of demanding a trade right after the Brown signing and all that kind of thing. But look, I'm not in the middle of it. I don't know all the details. But I just feel like Williams should be here. What do you think? I feel like me and you are in the minority, according to Twitter and social media, because you can't pay nobody to talk about that situation. And it's crazy when the whole Mixon thing was going around. I remember I came on your show. You said, hey, I thought Mixon was the best player on the field in that Bills game, right? And then when we go to the offseason, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think there's so many different things swirling around the Jonah Williams thing. Is he good? Giving up sacks. Uh, you got the argument of 2021, argument of he probably was the best offensive lineman going on that Super Bowl team versus the talent level and offensive uh, level now. But the couple things that we do know is that Mixon was one of the guys that said, I'll do whatever it takes to play for this team, and he bleeds uh, black and orange. And that's not to say that Jonah doesn't, but I just find it super crazy or hypocritical when people were really, really piling on the Mixon thing. had nothing to say about Jonah except like, oh, well, we don't control that. He's got to get traded. Well, damn it, explore some options. Like that, like that's what I was doing. You know, like I, I don't think I, if you're talking about a championship level team, it's so funny. I was watching a Draymond Green interview or something this morning. He said, "I think we weren't in it because of the thing that happened with me and Poole, where he punches him and yeah. you know before the season." And and you th- and and that's so long ago in our minds because the cycle of news. But everything is about cohesive parts and people that really buy in and want to be a part of it. And I feel I'm a big proponent of that. I know that Jonah, I think, is – I don't know him personally. I've never talked to him or anything. I think that he loves football, though. And if you love football, I think you'd be like T. Higgins, whether his agent said, I think you should go or don't, I think you just show up. Maybe the knee, the knee surgery, you're like, man, I, I don't feel too great about it. At least I would show up at a facility and, and go through some stuff, get yep. acclimated, start talking to some players. Even if you're not doing this stuff, like, what harm could that do? Because – even if you get traded, it just shows the other team that, hey, look, I'm going to be a team player no matter what. You could at least fake it. Like, when we go to our jobs and stuff, like, sometimes you're in situations you don't like. You just fake it a little bit. You know what I mean? So, All right, well, let me ask you this. If we're going to sit here and we, uh, you know, uh, I think there's something to be said for Mixon showing up all the time. He has a contract. He's, he's living up to the contract. It's not been a good offseason for him, at least, you know, reputation-wise, whatever's right, wrong, truth, fact, false, I don't know. We'll all find out one day. Uh, but he's here. Higgins, we've talked about he's here. Williams is not here. We know why Awuzie and, um, and Lyle Collins are not here. But what about right. Tyler Boyd? This is the thing. Bengals fans, like not, you got to look at like the Quinn and Williams of the world right now. All these guys that are lobbying for like, I need to get paid right now and, and stop living in the, well, that ain't going to happen to me. Like, 
I'm not saying that Tyler Boyd is sitting there saying I need to get paid, but he's in a contract year. So the risk that is associated with it, even T. Higgins, if I'm his agent, I'm probably telling them, you know, Tyler Boyd or whatever. I don't know their situation, but I'm saying, like, you're taking a bit of a risk from a leverage standpoint, and you're also taking a risk on these workouts. If something were to happen to you, you're not going to get the same value in the open market because of the injury that's associated to it. And that's a risk that you had to take. And a lot of guys like Jeff. Yeah, but Jim, hang on, man. I mean, these guys are flipping footballs at each other and dunking them like basketballs. I mean, they're not out there going seven on seven or 11 on 11 with a bunch of contact. These guys are running around like you and I would be every single day of the week. Well, not like you and I, maybe you, not me. I think the the workout is different when you control what you want to control. Opposed to if you go to the facility, and your coaches are saying, all right, line it up. We're about to go run this drill. Whereas, like, you might have a trainer and say, hey, look, we're going to do lifting all this week. Uh, I'm doing some light conditioning. I'm running. I'm just running. I'm doing cardio this week. You're controlling what you want to control. You don't have to go to the facility and have coaches tell you what to do. And in in a contract year, to me, that's important. All right. All right. Good enough. All right. Uh, anything else on your mind with the Bengalis? You like the culture, you like the vibe, you like what's going on, you like the draft, you, you, you're in a good place. I'm in a really good place, man. I feel good. I, 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 the Bengals are healthy. You want to just see me coming on here every single week, just telling you, like, I mean, come on, bro. Like, we're dominant now. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get this. Like, I just think that people – are are living in what it used to be or something like that. Like they're they're the most talented top two team in football. Like I understand the Chiefs did win that game, but the only team on paper or in our faces that we've actually seen that have more talent are probably the Philadelphia Eagles right now. It's not the Kansas City Chiefs in that regard of talent. Now can Mahomes, you know, close that like sure, because he's an amazing quarterback, right? But like, man, go like, look at the defensive line depth. Like, you're, you're talking about your seventh, eighth guy is like, you know, like Cam Samples of the world that could start and get a good rope. Like, look at the look at every single position group. The wide receiver four, Yoshivas, or wide receiver five, or Charlie Jones, or whatever, will be a wide receiver three on 75% of the NFL. Can't look at the that. linebacker. Look at the linebacker core. Akeem Davis Gaither at linebacker three will be a linebacker two is 75% of the Good NFL. point. Good the, point. The safety, the safety position is a bit of a variable, but check this out. When people talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and they talk about, like, what they did in terms of their draft and stuff, and they just loaded up their secondary, yeah, they did it with a bunch of seventh-round guys and guys that went to HBCUs and all these different, you know, back into the draft guys. Bro, like, the – the backups are DJ Turner, a second-round guy that would have been a first-round, you know, like he was a fringe first-round pick. You got guys like Tyson Anderson that are like last, last man off the bench or Sidney Jones that have started at different places like now in these, in these roles. And then you got these young guys like now stepping up like the Dax Hills of the world. These are first-round picks. like all, and, and that will be considered like the weakness of the Bengals. Show me that team that has that. Like, that's 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 my point. Outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, I just don't see, like, the talent levels all around the team. It's all about Bengals being healthy. 
The Bengals are healthy. You got to think Joe Burrow's stronger, bigger, faster. Jamar Chase is the strongest wide receiver in the National Football League. He's not even in his prime. T. Higgins not even in his prime. Like, the guys that we're talking about, they haven't even got to, like, their full potential. Yep, yep, and we're, yep. And we're ready to go. All right. I, I got to tell you, though, before I let you go, I got to tell you, uh, and I know Casey McAllister uses the word to describe him all the time as stink. I got to tell you, the team – the, the the team that is starting, I think, to make a serious challenge to the Bengals, the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> okay, you say whatever you want. I mean, they go get Zadarius Smith. They've already got Garrett. They get Dalvin Thompson. They've got stars all over the field on defense. Uh They've got Deshaun Watson, who whether you like the guy or don't like the guy, when he was uh, able to, to go through year-by-year, year, uh, off-season, uh, working out at a team's facility all the years in, in, with the Texans, he was considered to be one of the three or four top guys in the league. Uh, they got Chubb. They got a very good offensive line. They've got some wide receivers. You're sitting there grinning like I'm a madman. I'm telling you, I know they're the Browns, and they'll find a way to screw it up probably. But I'm they're, telling the Brown, you, they're, they're making some noise. I think this is an Ohio thing or something like that. Because where I'm sitting at, I, I, all I, I, don't, I, don't, I see a 7-8 win team. Uh, th- just go through three, right. things real qu- three things real quick. Three things real quick. The, what do you think is the biggest strength of the Cleveland Browns in years past? What would that be? Well, it'd be their run game and their offensive line. So if you're telling me Deshaun Watson is now like some superhero that's like that got that's vibranium on his skill. Wait a minute, Zim. Wait a minute now. I <laughs> bet you if you and I, if this show didn't exist, you were around and going strong already. But I would bet money that two or three years ago, you were saying Watson was great. Yes. And he still is, but if you're telling me that Watson is now going to be throwing the football more to utilize his what makes him a, a point of strength, his accuracy is really pretty good when he's not rusty, um, and he can move, he's mobile, all these different things. He's an excellent quarterback. But if you're telling me that that's the strength of the team is running the football, I'm now taking the ball out of his hands, and I, it, I mean out of the, out of Nick Chubb's hands, and now that's six to eight less carries a game. That works in the Bengals' favor because those are the things that I think that hurt us the most. Also, secondly, they've done nothing from the linebacker position to cover us out in the flats, and I still don't believe in any of their linebacking core. I don't believe in their secondary. Their secondary, the last time that we saw them with no T. Higgins, no Tyler Boyd, and Hayden Hurst, what did Jamar Chase do to him when he got a full game on him? Ten catches, 120 yards, and nobody could stop him. Denzel Ward is probably one concussion away from being like maybe – Looking, they're looking at him like with a with a crazy magnifying glass. The guy Newsom, he requested a trade this all season. I could go all around the board, and they still can't stop the run. All those different things that they did, bringing in pass rushes and stuff like that, they were still one of the worst run defense teams in the yes, National they were. Football League. Yes, they were. I'm telling you that this is an Ohio thing. That I think the reluctancy to say that they're trash, I get that. But you probably know like some Cleveland Browns fans that might give it like give you some hell. Whereas I don't got any Cleveland Brown friends that I'm worried about <laughs> at all. 
And I and I really just think that is, I think you want to be respectful to your Cleavers. You know, your I don't at all. I could care less about the place. I really don't. You, I you just think that Cleveland Brown, You think Cleveland Browns are better than the Baltimore Ravens? You know what? I don't want to say that. I don't. I don't. But I think there are far bigger questions, and you got to agree with me on this. There are far bigger questions about the Ravens' defense than there is about Cleveland's defense as far as what they've tried to do to address their problems. Now, look, Zadarius Smith starts out last year, I think he had seven sacks in the first nine games, right? Then he hurts his knee, and I think he only had one and a half sacks the rest of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Off the top of my head, I think that's right. Okay, but at least their run defense stunk, talking about the Browns. They go get Thompson. They bring in some other guys that that, that look like that could make an impact in addressing it. The Ravens, because they've basically been financially strapped because of this whole Lamar thing and everything going on, uh, I know they're taking a flyer on OBJ. We'll see how that plays out. But they've done nothing to address the concerns of their defense. I would just say that the just talking to the players, you know, like on a team. Sorry, sorry, guys. I'm not trying to be an insider. If you were to ask a Bengals player, like what, who? Do, it's the Ravens. The Ravens' defense is more like now. I, now you do raise a good point. I worry about their bench, and I worry about you know the health and everything like that. Those are are things. But as it stands, their starting lineup is built to stop the Bengals, like There's as no far doubt. as their defense go. Yep. Like, the the speed of Queen, you then go and draft probably the – I thought Trenton Simpson was probably one of the best linebackers in the draft, if not the best. They, you go get speed with him, then you got Oway. You got all these guys that can cover in the flats and take away all those little dump-offs that Joe Burrow has to take in the checkdowns. Then you got an all-pro corner out there, a real all-pro corner in Marlon Humphrey. Now, the other side, sure, they don't know their CB2. They got Rockets in or something like that. But then they got one of the best safeties in the draft last year with Kyle Hamilton. And they got Marcus Williams, who is probably one of the best outfielders in football, so you really can't push the football down the field. Then their deep, their run defense is at the top of the NFL. Yep. The Baltimore Ravens defense is at the end of that season last year was the best defense in football. Yes, it was. Maybe like, the, like the 49ers. Now, offensively, they're going to have some question marks, but the lightning bolt energy of a Lamar Jackson paired up with some legit, like I thought Zay Flowers was one of the best route yep. runners in, in this draft. So like health is a thing for them, but I think that the Ravens are like, when I look at them from the outside looking in, that's a 10 to 12 win team. The Browns from my viewpoint, like I said, I'm not in Ohio. I get it. That's like a seven to nine win team fringe nine. And it's, and it's because there's so many holes in the run defense, the linebackers, and then the availability in the in like that secondary got cooked last year. I don't know why people are trying to like build that secondary up. All I right. promise you, if we played on week one and our wide receivers out there, I'll give you fireworks. All right. Okay. So you're taking the early line. You're taking the Bengals, uh, giving two and a half up there in Cleveland, I think it was, for the early line on Bet Fred Sports. You're darn tootin'. <laughs> Zim, we love you, my man. You have a great rest of your day. Thanks for your time today, as always. Great show right there. We, we covered a lot. Good, you got good, it covered. Good, good hey, we always good. get it covered with Zim Houday. ZimHouday.com. Check it out. All the apparel, everything you need to know. Right? There it is. Shiesty. <laughs>
All right. We thank Zim for his time. He's the best. I love the guy. Love the guy. He's a good dude. Uh, but, of course, you were, I knew you were uh, chomping at the bit, Casey. I'm telling you. You know what? You know what's interesting is, and, and again, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's all so subjective. Uh, we try to make it objective, um, and it's hard to do. But you know, like the guys at the Athletic, right? Paul Daner Jr. covers team, covered football for a long, long time. He thinks the Bengals' biggest competition inside the AFC North is going to be Pittsburgh. Hmm. Pittsburgh, huh? I still maintain, even though I just said what I said about the Browns, I think the Browns are going to be a lot better. I still maintain the biggest competition is going to be Baltimore. You know, I could get behind I could get behind Pittsburgh being the the team that is the scariest. But it really just depends on second year Kenny Pickett. I mean, if he's Andy Dalton, that defense is scary. I don't know, man. What are your thoughts? I'm just, I'm o- I'm over the the whole Browns thing. I'll be honest, I'm over <laughs> it. I'm, mean, o- I'm over it already, and we still got four months to go to get there. I mean, they win the off season every year, every year for like the past five years. They've won the off season, Super Bowl bound. Now, Browns fans, I will say, have been very quiet as of late. Well, you, think very quiet. you think they're resting on it. You think they don't want to get it over their learned, skis. I think they've learned their lesson for the last couple of times. And there's something about something about uh, karma, something about that, that, you know, they're starting to become more humble and realizing that they should just relish in the stink. And maybe they'll break out of it. Maybe. It's going to take a lot for that to happen, though. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, you're right. Paul hit it. We, we, I mean, we got months to talk about it. Um, months and months and months to talk about it. Uh, one thing we have not talked about today, let, let, let's circle back. We talked with Marty Brenneman at length about the Reds um, and about, you know, Williamson coming up, pitching so well last night. Lodolo, <laughs> you know, when you start talking about uh, – Injuries from the waist down, okay? And you start talking about specifically groin or hamstring. Not so much knee, because with a knee, you either know it is what it is, right? You tore a MCL, you tore an ACL, you tear a... Um, uh, I've had two uh, sur- well, surgeries on each knee with... with, um, with um, why am I drawing a blank? It's an arthroscopic surgery. I mean, and you get back and, you know, for athletes with all the health care they have access to, you can get back much quicker. Meniscus tear. Um, but groin, hamstring, quad, calf, and then feet with plantar fascia, things like that. When somebody tells you a guy is going to be out a month with a calf injury, don't hold your breath on stuff like that. Um, I think Lodolo, and I hope I'm 100% wrong, I hope that the guy is able to come back, like they're saying, in a month. 
because I think he's got a chance to be a really, really good pitcher. But, um, you know, now all of a sudden for the first time, if he's out, let's say it's a month. So you went from having the big three, and they're ups and downs, a lot more ups and downs. You get the big three, and then we wondered about four and five. Well, I think Luke Weaver, we all agree, has done a nice job filling in on that four spot. He deserved better than what happened to him the other day. The defense was terrible in that game for him. Cost him three outs in the game and a lot of pitches and some runs. He deserved better. He's been better than they got from Overton or Sessa. Now they get Williamson up here. Um, Paul, do you see them? Okay, they've made the, they've made the McLean move, right? They've made, out of necessity, the Williamson move because of the injury to Lodola, right? Do you see them now in, in a mode where they're saying, you know what, why wait till August and September? Over the next month, we're getting Abbott up here. We're going to get Encarnacion Strand up here, although I don't have any idea where they're going to play him. Because everybody's saying a steer is a better first baseman than he is a third baseman, right? I heard Jeff Brantley say on the radio the other night, by far the best third baseman the franchise has in the entire organization is Nick Senzel. And he's actually playing very, very well, right? right. And he's still young enough where you can look at him as a core guy moving forward, if he can stay healthy all year and play, right? So it's one thing to say they're going to come up here but then once they get up here, where are you going to play him? Yeah, there's a log jam. And then what about Andrew Abbott, too? I mean, he's... Well, yeah, yeah, of course. He's, yeah, just, he's, he's, he's the next one on the list. It seems to it seems like that's the answer, right? It seems like Abbott's the next one to get the call up here. But, yeah, for as well as Nick Senzel is playing right now, look at again, last night, home run. I mean, it, Nick Senzel is having himself quite the year. And it's nice. Isn't it nice, Tom, seeing a guy like Senzel who has struggled yes. at points in his career, yeah. finally starting to put something together. I mean, it is really nice to see him going out there. And for all the hype that Nick Senzel had coming up to the Reds originally, everything that we heard about him through the minor league system for years, to get up to the major leagues, struggle, but now to find a home and to really be you know, taking the bull by the horns this year, it's good. It's really good to see. I enjoy seeing this out of a guy like that and finally overcoming some of those struggles that he had earlier on in his career. There's no doubt about it. And, and I've talked about it on this show. Um, and, and, and look, okay? This is where we... The biggest key in all of this, all of this player talk about who's coming up, Who's going to play where? I, I thought my dad brought up a phenomenal point about De La Cruz. He's 6'5". And I'm not sure the dude's done growing. He's still young enough. It would not surprise me if he's an inch taller in a year and a half from now. He's that young. He's certainly going to put on. I mean, if he eats right and he's a quote-unquote gym rat, who likes getting in that weight room and likes, you know, doing all this stuff easily on that frame. A solid 10 to 17 more pounds. Okay. So now you're talking about a guy, let's say right now they have him listed at 6'5", 200. 
I could see him being 6'5", 214 in a year. Okay. Right? Yeah. Well, you're going to play that guy shortstop every day? The biggest shorts, the two biggest physical guys that I can remember playing shortstop were Cal Ripken Jr., big guy, not De La Cruz big, but a big guy. Alex Rodriguez, they immediately moved him off of shortstop and got him to third. Immediately. Right? O'Neill Cruz in Pittsburgh is like 6'8". Yeah, Six, I mean, seven. I'm talking about a, a legitimate long-term oh, yeah. you know, guy, yeah. big-time guy. 6'7", maybe? Doesn't have to be a Hall of Fame guy. But I'm saying that De La Cruz, uh, but, but, but look, here's the point I'm getting at. The, the X factor in all of this is Jonathan India. Because right now, he is the second baseman. He is having a nice year. He's a very popular player. I mean, the, you know, for Reds fans, you don't have a lot to grasp, okay? And he is the most flamboyant. He's got the hair. He's good-looking, great smile, good hitter, plays hard, cares, passionate player, all the things you want in a guy, okay? So those are all the positives. And there's a lot to like. I think the jury's still out on him. As an offensive player, let's see. He had a really good rookie year. He had a brutal year last year, which you could, you know, say, okay, he had some bumps and bruises and nicks and injuries and fine. Off to a good start, month and a half this year. Let's see how it plays out. But one thing that can't be denied. Statistically, he was the worst defensive second baseman in baseball last year. And he's right in that neighborhood through a month and a half this year. Okay. So, you, you, you face the, I would say, a tough spot here. Because let's just say, for the sake of argument, it, 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 and I wasn't in Arizona in spring training. I don't know if Jonathan India went into the outfield and practiced during batting practice or worked out with an outfield instructor on starting to acclimate himself to becoming, or the possibility of him becoming an outfielder. I don't know if he did that. I don't know if Eric Davis or somebody like that had Ellie De La Cruz taking fly balls in center field and trying to learn. Now, De La Cruz has played some third. He's played some short. I don't know if the Reds would think about the pressure of bringing him to the big leagues, and, oh, by the way, you're playing a new position. But here's a dilemma you have. Everybody is screaming for, sooner or later, McLean's already here, sooner or later bringing De La Cruz up here. If you bring up De La Cruz, where are you playing him? If you're going to play him at short, where's McLean playing? Now, he's played some third, too. But Senzel's the best player you have defensively at third. You've already moved Steer from third over to first. He can still play third, of course. But nobody is taking... The, the natural progression of this would be for, if you're going to bring De La Cruz up, 
is you move, you play him at short, and you move McLean, okay, to uh, second base. All right, well, you're going to sit down into you who's been your best offensive player so far this year? No. So for people who are screaming and yelling about bringing up all the young guys, and I'm all in on it. I'm all in. What have they got to lose? If, if a guy can be brought up here and you're worried about him mentally failing, well, then he shouldn't even be in your franchise. If you've got a bunch of soft mental players that you're concerned about their, their well-being, should they come up to the big leagues and fail, then get them out of here and trade them now. But if you believe they have the wherewithal to come up here and compete, they're not going to win every time. The best players win three out of ten times offensively. If you believe that mentally they can come up here and compete and hang in and there and deal with failure because it's going to come, it doesn't matter who it is. Then I'm all in for getting them up here. What do you got to lose? You're going to put more fans in the stands. You're going to have better, ta better talented players playing with the major league club. Doesn't mean they're going to succeed, but the talent level increases dramatically by getting some of these guys up here. The problem is, where are you going to play them? You can't bring up De La Cruz. You can't bring up Strand. Okay, you can't bring those guys up. And have them sit there and watch. They got to play. But where are they going to play? Steer's still a young guy. You going to give up on him? Nope. Paul, what are you going to do? I don't know. I, it's, it really is a dilemma. And you see the, the starting lineup here. Matt McClain not playing today. Okay, he's played his first two I'm a, games. I'm assuming this. Race. Yeah. I, I wouldn't read too much into that. No. Just, you played two major league games get two days off heading into a Yankees series. That's not crazy, right? No, not at all. Got, no, I mean, I, I know there are a lot of people that are going to, they're going to go off the rails on that today. I got no problem with that. None. Barrero's still a young guy. You don't want to just throw him to the, you know, we, we talked about this all, or, earlier already. Get him in there, day game after a night game. Barrero's in, McLean's off. That means he gets two days off, right? After his first two, all the emotions Everything, first two days in the big leagues. He's got to come back here. He's got to find a place to live. Probably going to be in a hotel and all that sort of nonsense. His stuff is probably still in a bunch of bags that he threw together when he found he was coming up. Right? All right. He'll be ready to go Friday night. He'll be in the lineup. How does all that work, Tom, with lodging and everything else? Because the travel secretary and everybody's got to go into all of that. That's got to be a crazy situation for some of these guys that are going up and down, right? I'll get into that in a second. I'm asking you real quick, what? because okay. you're a baseball yeah, guy, yeah. right? And you want to see the young guys up sure. here. All right, what, what are you going to do? I mean, Encarnacion Strand is not going to cover off the ball, right? Now, no, he strikes yeah, yeah. out a lot. That's, and I brought this up before. You know, him and De La Cruz, they strike out a lot. But, okay, we live in a day and age where not as big a deal. But I'm just saying, what if you bring De La Cruz and Encarnacion Strand up here, what are you going to do? Do you throw Encarnacion Strand in the outfield? Hey, guys, I just want to also mention that India was DHing 
He's no longer playing second base tonight. So that's the other big thing about the starting lineup. Oh, Kevin Newman? Kevin Newman. Is that who's playing second? There's another one where guys go off the rails when he's in a lineup. And you know what? I don't blame him. Newman's not a part of the future of this team as a regular player. So why is he in the starting lineup? I'm telling you, it's a day game after a night game. They just want to get some guys in who are not going to be playing a lot now with the influx of this talent. I honestly, I think... I've seen every great manager in baseball do it forever. So have you. I think the only person I see on Twitter consistently supporting Kevin Newman is Trace Fowler. Everybody else screams about him. At least Trace is in Kevin Newman's corner. Because I don't know if Kevin Newman has many other supporters. But our guy Trace is. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he's all in. He's all in on Kevin Newman. <laughs> but yeah, maybe you move a guy like CES into the outfield. I don't know. I'm, at some point, you're going to have to throw somebody in the outfield. Somebody here is going to have to learn how to play a corner outfield position. Somebody is. Because you can't fit everybody in the infield, and none of them are big enough to play first base. And see, that's the thing. When you look at the Reds and their top prospects, okay, they don't have any prospects that are outfielders. With all the talk about the Reds and where they rank on an organizational standpoint, their best outfielders are all the way down, well, just up the road, in Dayton. They don't have a guy in double-A AA or triple-A that they're eyeing as being a regular, everyday major league outfielder. They don't. Okay? And from an athleticism standpoint, guys like Steer, guys like Encarnacion Strand. I mean, Adam Dunn played the outfield, so maybe anybody can play the outfield. True. I mean, there was a time he was a great athlete, but as his career went on, he got big, he got overweight, you know. He, uh, he, he was not a good outfielder, and a lot of teams have those kind of plotters out there on a corner. Barry Bonds played left field. Yeah, but that was a little different animal. <laughs> yeah, a little different animal. A little different ball game. Uh, but I, I just don't know what they're going to do. I, uh, I, and I don't have the answers. I'm not sitting here picking, picking on anybody else. I, I don't know what I would do. But in general, some, somebody here has to learn how to play a corner outfield, right? That's the answer here. Well, because you're not going to fit everybody on the infield. What, what's so sorry? This is teaching Casey moment. Why not center field? Why are you saying corner? Uh, center field's generally. A, I mean, center field's a quarterback of the outfield. It's a little. It's a little different than just sticking somebody in left and. So like for a guy like Matt McClain, who's uber fast, talented. Like why couldn't? I mean, yeah, that? potentially. But Nick Senzel also played center field, and it was a. Now he's you know doing. It, center field's a little tougher to just throw a guy out there. Very tough. Yeah, center I mean, you got to be you got to be an athlete to play center field. Well, center, that sounds like Matt McClain, right? Mm, not that I'm. Not, I think more De La Cruz. Yeah, okay. it, it, it's a little tougher to just send a guy out to center field than it is to send him into one of the corner outfield spots. Okay. When you All see right. like angles angles coming off a of bat, communicating with two different outfielders, playing the entire outfield, everything. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a little different. Yeah, just wanted to clarify that. I didn't know like. If you're playing, if you're playing in in center field, you know you're reading you're reading spins off the bat. You're reading different angles off the bat. A whole lot different than if you're just like playing. We needed in left. someone to play there for spring training. Like that. That's what the argument is for India. Yeah. Okay. It's a little it's a little different than if you just right. stick a guy in left field and you know that off the bat it's always going to tail the same way. Okay, but uh, in okay. general, all right. It, look, 
if they if they made the decision, they being the Reds. I mean, you know, the, these are the things that separate the great general managers or president of baseball operations. Okay, these are the things that separate the mediocre guys from the great guys, right? Is being able to look into the future and ask the question, okay, what if? Now let's go back to spring training this year. And shame on me for not exploring a little bit more about this. I should have, but I'm going to start looking into it now that this is becoming more and more a possibility. The Reds baseball operations people, for my money, okay, and it's just one man's opinion, they should have been looking at all of the possibilities that could happen as the 2023 baseball season proceeds. They should have been looking at the possibility of having on your major league roster, okay, India, Steer, Encarnacion Strand, De La Cruz, McLean. Now, you knew India was going to be there. The rest of them, you weren't sure. Steer wins a third base job coming out of spring training. But India, De La Cruz, not so much McLean. India, De La Cruz, Steer, they did it, played some third, didn't look good in spring training, season started, all of a sudden he wasn't bad down at third. And in fairness to the Reds, if they would have dismissed the possibility of Senzel even being a part of this team, I wouldn't have blamed him. Because the cat just can't stay on the field. And when he has played, he hadn't been very good. And he was injured. And he was coming back from surgery. So, and, 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 and even if he does become a, a part of your team, you have seen him play multiple positions. He's already proven to you, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, that he can at least go do it. He's not going to embarrass himself anywhere you're playing. But now all of a sudden, those things with De La Cruz and India in particular should have been addressed in spring training. And maybe they were, and I don't know about it. But the possibility of having all of those guys on your active major league roster, whether it was going to be in May, whether it's going to be in June, whether it was going to be August and September, and where are we going to play them? All right, now here's another one. Joey Votto's taking ground balls yesterday. You've already moved Steer from third to first because Senzel is playing so well. Yep. If the Reds are four or five games out of first place and Steer continues to have a good offensive season, Joey Votto's in the last year of his contract. One of the most legendary players in the history of the franchise. Very popular player. Somewhat of a polarizing player. You going to keep Encarnacion Strand down there if he's not going to cover off the ball? You going to play Vado? 
In place of Steer, if Steer's having a good year, hitting 270, you get to August, he's got 14 bombs. He's knocked in 50, 55 runs. You going to sit him down? To get Votto in there, I hadn't played all year long. To have his quote-unquote farewell tour. What are you doing? Again, things you have to think about. And that was right there front and center for Votto because he had two very serious surgeries, right? What are you going to do? I, I think I still, coming back, I still keep coming back to the situation with Joey Votto and asking myself the question if we've seen the last of him. I, I still can't get over. I can't get this nagging thought out of the back of my head wondering if, Joey's career is done in Cincinnati. If, if, if this injury, I know you, we talk about him seeing the rehab and everything. I just, I don't know. These things linger, and then these guys get called up. What If the Reds are competitive, are you really going to throw Joey back in there? If the Reds are really going to do this thing, which I don't know if they are because they got a lot of flaws, it's just like what Charlie Goldsmith said the other day. They can't really defend. They've got a lot of hitting issues. Their pitching depth isn't great. You know, they got a lot of detractors. Yeah, sounds like everything's wrong. They got a lot of detractors. But somehow, some way, they're still tied with the Cubs in the NL Central. There's still four games under 500. I agree. And they're hanging around. So if they keep just hanging around for another month and a half, two months, and then all of a sudden Joey Votto's ready to go, and you got these guys clicking, you going to throw them in there? David Bell going to do that? You know, all of these things could resolve themselves by July 25th if the Reds are 15 games That's below 500 right. and they're 10 games out of first, 15 games out of first place, and it doesn't matter. But, well, but let me ask you this, though. I mean, you say that, and I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought here, okay? That's fine. But when you look at their team right now, we know they're a bad defensive team. They've hit better than we thought they would hit. I mean, by far. A lot better than I thought they'd hit. Right? Their bullpen has been great. Now, does that last very long as the innings pile up? I don't know. We'll find out soon enough. You'd like to think, if you're going to use age as an excuse for, um, for being up and down, Seems to me it'd be logical to say, okay, as you continue to gain more experience, there's a chance you can get better, right? Yep. Right, so maybe Green gets better. Maybe Lodolo gets back and gets better. Maybe Ashcraft continues to get better. Maybe Weaver's not a bad guy to have in that five hole because that's where he would go if Williamson were to get better. And I know it's only one game. I'm not going to get carried away here. But when you look at the rest of that division – you just said, what, July 15th, July 31st? Just call it July 20th. All right, July 20th. Is it conceivable? Of course it's conceivable. But when you look at the rest of this division, do you see the Reds being 15 games out in two months from now? It's conceivable. But do you – I can see a lot more reasons why they won't be 15 out than they would be. Yes. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Well – It's a good problem to have for the first time in a long time with this franchise because you've got talented players that they're bringing to the big leagues. Theoretically, it's the best crop 
they've had since they brought up Frazier, Bruce, you know, that whole crew that came. Drew Stubbs, to a lesser extent. Stubbs was a good player for this team. He wasn't a great player, but a good, solid player, excellent outfielder. Um, could run, could do a few things for you. Um, I just wonder when you look at getting back to today, getting back to the more immediacy of today. You're four and a half games, five games out of first place. Some might say, oh, you know, Tommy, it's only May. Okay, I get it. But by playing Barrero and Newman today, are you kind of just saying, oh, well, today's just today? Day game after a night game, rather than putting your best players on the field. Is that giving away a game? Don't you like your chances of winning a game today with Ashcraft on the mound and putting out your best group when he's on the mound? Is that a stretch? Okay. I, I see your point, though, about Ashcraft. I think you're spot on with that, especially when you're trotting out these starting pitchers that you think over and over again are going to be the guys that you need to win the games when they start. So why not go out there and try to win the games when they start? Now I know it's Colorado, so it's a little wonky, but either way, Kevin Newman, second base. I'm not going to beat down well, Newman. Tom, maybe one one of these shows we actually get you to do what you think the 2024 starting lineup is from catcher, pitcher, first base, second base, third base, left, right, center, shortstop. Get, just see what you think from what talent they have on the roster right now, guys that they could call up, and maybe we'll do that as a, as a segment sometime. Because I think it is a really good and an interesting question. I was just sitting here trying to figure it out myself, and it's a logjam. I don't know what to do about it. And it's so funny, just from a macro level, looking at this and thinking about where are these guys going to play? How much talent do these guys have? It's not like the Reds are instantly competing for a World Series if you bring all of these guys up. There's no oh, doubt. Don't say that. They it, might. It, it's they not, might. It's not like the Reds are instantly in 2023 going to compete for a title if they bring all of these guys up. So it is a little funny to take a step back and think, man, they just can't find a spot for all these guys. There's just too much talent on the field. There is, and it's true. But at the same time, it is a little funny to take it with a grain of salt and think to yourself, do they really have that much talent that they can't? Somehow, some way, someone in that front office or in the clubhouse can't figure out a way to make all this work and well, get these guys in the lineup. Well, somebody's going to get traded. It's just a matter yeah. of who, then. It's a matter of who. And, and 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 the right match for any given team. You know, one franchise might feel it needs a second baseman, and they might want to give you. You know. Uh, you know they might. It'd be a team that's willing to say, you know what, I can live with a guy's defense. I'm all in. We need India to get over the hump. One team might say, I need uh, a power hitter or a, a good hitter, um, and I, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you some good stuff for Steer or, or Encarnacion Strand. 
or somebody else. Somebody's getting traded. There's not room for all of them. You know, you just said, Paul, something for me. Uh, the, the, the guy that, that concerns me um, and, and the guy that worries me is Stevenson. More than any of them. Because I would have bet a lot of money and, 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 and maybe, you know, maybe it'll still turn out to be the case. I would have bet a lot of money that says, you know, Stevenson uh, is going to be a really good offensive player. Last year before he got hurt, we are looking at roughly the same number of at-bats last year when he was healthy before he got hurt compared to this year where he went into the offseason and into the regular season coming off the injury, healthy. Same number of at-bats, roughly. 20 more last year than he has right now. Last year, he hit 319 with six home runs, nine doubles, and 35 knocked in. Six, 35, 319, on-base percentage, 372, flugging percentage, almost 490. This year, 257 batter, two home runs and 148 at-bats with 16 batted in and seven doubles. So he had 15 extra base hits last year, roughly the same number of ABs, compared to nine this year. He hit 60 points higher than he's hitting right now, last year. His on-base percentage was over 30 points higher last year than it is right now. And his slugging percentage, 140 points higher than it was in roughly the same number of at-bats this year. Anything to read into there? Paul? <laughs> yeah, and it, this again goes back to what I talk about with competing at the level that the Reds need to compete at if they want to keep winning these games and getting production from guys that they need to count on to get production out of. And you're counting on a guy like Tyler Stevenson to produce at a level that he's not producing at right now. So, I mean, you're not going to like trade him though. You're not, no, you're no, not going no, to no, any no, other option. No, no. He is the option. Yep. He is the option. To be fair, I'm I'm just looking at at uh, the breakdown of when this sort of slide started to happen. He was a, a 2.87 in the month of April average batting average, and for the month of May, oh, it's been brutal. It's been bru It's a been a brutal month of yep. May for him. So I'm not gonna say I'm uh, I'm I'm out on the idea that he he's in this. Obviously, he's in a slump, but I don't think that there's we're hitting the panic button yet, right? Like he can get out of this, right, and have a a great June or July. Like the season is still very early on. Yes. I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he is in a little bit of a slump, but I mean, last seven days he's at uh, averaging point two seven. I mean, that's average, but right? Well, it's average. a lot better than where he's been. 
Right. It's a lot better than where he's been. But, I, you know, I, I, I don't know sometimes, and, and believe me, I've been guilty of this, but I'm also the guy that you've heard me say on the show before. I don't buy into the hype of minor league players. I don't buy it. Because talent gets you so far. I don't know enough about these guys and their makeup and, and what's in here. Okay? But if you just went strictly on numbers based on Stevenson, I would ask the question, have we, have we thought that he should be more than maybe what he really is? Because if you look at his two full minor league seasons in 18 and 19, and really 19, it wasn't a full because of COVID. I mean, he hit 11 home runs and 400 at-bats at double-A. Single-A, forgive me. And he knocked in 49 runs. That doesn't, that doesn't uh, become 25 home runs and 95 knocked in at the big leagues. That's not the way those numbers project. Um, but like I said, I'm not going to throw it because the guy last year before he got hurt, was better than he's ever been, even in the minor leagues, by far better. And so you saw it at the big league level, and you're thinking, I mean, because his batting average last year through the first 50 games was, on average, was, let me see here and see this. It was 70 points higher than his minor league average over the course of his five seasons in the minor leagues. So, you know, maybe there was something that happened to the guy. Uh, I don't know. But we have all summer to talk about this stuff. And it's all going to play out sooner or later. Somebody says the 2023 SI Swimsuit Edition is elite. Chad says that. Martha Stewart's on the cover. Yeah. Nothing like putting 80-year-olds on the cover. <laughs> Hey, God bless her. She looks great. She really does. She looks fantastic. Good for her. Good for her. Cherry on top. Run it, Casey. Two days in a row. Watch it's that this. type of oh. the show. The not, not that one. Not that one. Not, not that, one. that one. Late last night. Our guy, Noda, again. Grand slam to tie the game in the seventh inning. How about that? Pinch hit. Pinch hit grand slam, too. Mark Lewis. That's good Ooh. stuff. Our buddy Ryan Noda. He was on the program. We gave him the bump. We brought him the mojo from off the bench. Look at the big fella. A's went on to win the game. And that was a lefty-lefty matchup there. How about that? He's standing there watching it. That ball's way back. Wait a minute. Are we sure he pinched it? Because he says he's 0 for 1 on that. Maybe that wasn't the pinch. It, right. I, I don't know. Maybe he stayed in the game. Pinch Grand game. slam for the big fella. All right. We turn our attention to box lunch. Reed Mouse, how are we looking? Looking great, Tom. How was your Costco trip yesterday? Big time. Love that store. Love Be, it. Being facetious or you no, being serious? No, I love it. I love going there. What's I, I bought up all my own stuff. I'm the guy digging underneath, you know, and I'm buying all this stuff for a big cookout we're having tomorrow night. 
with uh, the high school boys lacrosse team. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I got the frozen burgers and I got some chicken breasts and all that. But then I got to get lots of bottles of water and everything. You know what I mean? So I got the stuff on the bottom rack. They can just, you know, I put right. that on, right? Right, right? But then I'm looking for the boxes. Because, I, you know, my former life, I was one of the all-time great, all-time great uh, grocery baggers. Really? That was my main job all the way through college, bagging groceries. And really, I don't want all those Kroger contests if I was in them. Over there in Athens or during no, the no, summer? No, 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 no. This is just during the summer. Summer when you come home. Yeah. So um, uh, when I go to the grocery store or go to Costco, I don't want anybody else messing with it. Because you know, you know what's up. I'm doing it. I'm bagging my own groceries when I go into the grocery store, and I'm, I'm boxing everything up in their boxes when I go to Costco. Mm. You got to know how to do it. Paper bags or plastic bags? Uh, most of the time, uh, you know, my wife tries to get me to bring those those ones she has in the those. back of her car, but that's a problem. They're in the back of her car. Right. Not my car. Right. Right? Never where so, they need to be. Normally, I, you know, I normally, um, it, it, it depends on what you're putting in them. Hmm. Right? Right. Absolutely. And what else would there be on a trip to the grocery store or a trip to Costco without a bag of Doritos? Ooh, what nacho cheese? Oh yeah, oh yeah, bigly. I mean, what Not else cool would there ranch? be? What Not else cool would there ranch? be? They didn't have them yesterday at Costco. Oh, that's wow. what that's what uh, mm. our kids like, and they I looked for them. They didn't have them. Is that your potato chip of choice? I'm a Pringles guy. Pringle, love Pringles. Yeah. Love them. Nice and neat. Don't have the big bag, just the tin. Yeah, and they don't break into little pieces like no. you get. You know, people Gosh, throwing no. them around. When you get to the end, then then they are. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But then you can just yeah. funnel them in. The big old bag of stinking Doritos. Just hide them for everybody else. Luke and I can dig in. Love it. Love it. Sir Boy once, do you know who Post Malone is? First off. I do know who Post Malone is. He's got, I mean, he's the only guy. Well, not the only guy, but I mean, he's, he's all tatted up, head to toe. Why? What about him? Well, Sir Boy Wonder sent in a, a chat when you went to the bathroom during the first Ham and Eggers segment and said he wanted you to go to the... Post Malone concert in Cincinnati. I had kids that went to that show. So that's how I know who Post Malone is. We'll leave it at that. Did we miss a Sir Boy? Where did we go from Wiggles to Post Malone? Where did everything go south? I think that that was all at the same time, I think. It was all getting sent at the same time, but then... We went to the Ham and Eggers segment. Are you guys going to the Post Malone show? I will not be at the Post Malone show, no. No. No? Jacob, you going to the Post Malone? You going? No, God, no. I don't like Post Malone. No. Okay. Me either. I'm not going. No. Hmm. The changes of life. You go from taking your kids to Wiggles, and years later, they're going to Post Malone. Now, you tell me. Is that improvement? That's light. All right, box lunch. Here we go. See you tomorrow, everybody. Thanks for being with us. By the way, George Vogel is with us tomorrow. Oh, let's go. Capping off a legendary career. Oh, nice. Right? Nice. Really excited. I worked with George my first job out of college. I've been wanting to get him on. He was winding things down there, had a lot of other things going on. And we finally got him nailed down tomorrow for a long chat. The best dude in the world. I mean, the best dude in the world. So we've got him tomorrow. We got Tracy Jones tomorrow. We got Steve Flesh. We got Paul O'Neill, among others, coming up Friday. But right now, Casey, Paul, Jacob, thank you. Box lunch, rebounds. Here we go.